live from the heart of Brooklyn. PowerQuest is an hour-long podcast about everything in and relating to technology. With three techno experts, Eric Newman. Hi! Chris Grabowski. Hello. And Tyler Dinner. Hi there. This week's episode, Storage Wars. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another Polar Quest. My name is Eric Newman, and if I'm talking with a lower register in my voice, it's because I've had a lot of fun this weekend. To my left, someone that hasn't had as much fun, or maybe he has, I don't know, I've been talking to him, is the wonderful, the talented, the sexy, hopefully the verbose, Chris Grabowski. Hi, how are you? Hi. I did pretty well. I had some fun this weekend. No, some nowhere fun near, this weekend. nowhere near as much as you did. You yeah, and on, you know, and what they say about Vegas stays in Vegas. But this is New York, so let's talk <laughs> about it. No, speaking of Vegas, I'm heading to AWS Reinvent uh, this coming month. Ooh, that sounds cool. But before we talk about that, let's introduce, of course, the third of our Three Musketeers, Tyler Dinner. Hi, how are you? I'm well, guys. Good to be here. Always a pleasure to have you here, Tyler. And uh, I'd like to just point out there's actually four people in the Three Musketeers. Just three of them happen to be Musketeers. Who's the fourth person? D'Artagnan. He was not a. Uh, he had a letter from uh, the, the captain of the Musketeers, uh, but he ended up just being part of the King's Guard. Oh, I didn't know they made such complicated backstories for Candy. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say he's not in the candy bar. Is that on the back of the wrapper, like a cereal box thing? No, uh, apparently I'm just the nerdiest one here. Yes, you are, and that's exactly why you're on the show, Christian. Anyway. <laughs> you're in good company. Right off the top, did you hear that there is a new richest person of the world? Is it me? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's you, Tyler. Yes. I Can I it. borrow some money for my student loans, please? Because I have a negative net worth. <laughs> yeah, let me talk to my accountant. First, I got to get one. Thanks, yeah. Uh, no, it's actually not Bill Gates anymore, not Warren Buffett, not Tim Cook, but... Jeff Bezos. AWS is doing him well. And the Whole Foods purchase, I think, also helped uh, the good old Amazon stock. Oh, I imagine. You ever so, see that photo of him, like, when he started the business versus him today? You know, I think it's really, it's about he target demographics. <laughs> yeah. No, it's about target demographics. And, and when Amazon started, it was only books, and he dressed like he was a librarian. Yeah. And now, he dresses like Joe Rogan. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice. So... Yes, uh, he's now the world's richest person, and uh, that's about it. I don't know what else to say. I'm going to tell you something you don't know about me, Joe Rogan. I smell rocks. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, post- sponsor our show. We need money. <laughs> yeah, hey, Jeff, can you please, do you want to throw us a bone here with the ad? We use S3 to distribute the show. Yeah. You know, I have Amazon Prime. Can you help, can you help us out? We use it at work. I ordered stuff off you last week. Yeah. Well, I'm going to one of your conferences. Yeah, exactly. We're very much involved in the Amazon ecosystem, so please, Mr. Bezos, and help us. Trip everybody on the internet these days, though. Yeah, <laughs> like you're when forced is, to. He needs to be on Shark Tank. No, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He'd be the one person who actually understands any of the technical pitches. Who does or doesn't? Does. So then, why would he not? Because Shark, Shark Tank works on its cheesiness. Oh. The music died. It's so flat. Yeah. No. Gotcha. <laughs> we hit a low point already. <laughs> hey, w- hey, you forgot to introduce someone else, Eric. Oh, well, that's of course, because no one has said anything funny. Tyler, Whoa. why don't you tell us a joke? Uh, what did the fish say when he ran into the wall? What? Fish, fish don't have legs. Damn. <laughs> 
That's right, and that sound you heard was just from our studio audience. We keep them in a Tupperware container during the week, and we take that on, them out on Sundays just for us. And it is a very rainy Sunday night, this Sunday night. Is it still raining? It is still raining. I can actually still hear it hitting my window, so. Ah. Can't you? <laughs> uh, no, I don't have a window over my bedroom. Oh, sorry, yeah, let, me, let me close that. So uh, technically, I live in a home office. <laughs> it's the zoning rules. Never stop working, bro. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. So that's Jeff Bezos. How about this? Apple fires iPhone X engineer after daughter's hands-on video goes viral. Wait, what? What was the video about? Or like, she made a video showcasing the new iPhone. Here it is, and it was an employee-only prototype. And that employee was found and then killed. I mean, fired. <laughs> Probably killed. Probably killed. Not available for interviews. He's dead. When? When did that? Uh, He's in Guantanamo. How early before the the, <laughs> the thing launched? How early did it leak before the phone actually came out and was launched? Uh, earlier this week. And I don't think if people have the th- the problem is. It, is, it says unreleased iPhone X. The problem is, is that it had employee-only QR codes. And it looks, like, it looks like there's a nice dock at the bottom of that iPhone, which I haven't seen on any other iPhone. Yeah, so it looks like looks she's... Like straight up OS X. Yeah, it does. And this is what happens when people with dyed blonde hair think they know what they're doing. <laughs> Damn, tell us how you really feel, Eric. Was, was she holding a pumpkin spice latte? Yes, while wearing, uh, while wearing those legs. Um, oh, speaking of uh, that new iPhone, I heard that the new screen is going to cost $300 in just, in just the uh, equipment before a service and repair to well, replace I, that screen. I read that if you get a speck of dust in your Touch Bar MacBook Pro, uh, it will kill the keyboard requiring you to buy a new top case, which is $700. They're just sick. Yeah. And if you build a computer that you spend, you have your night of design talk about how indestructible it is, yet a speck of dust will make you have to buy a whole new top case. I mean, that's gross. Were you trying to put the Death Star on someone's lap? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's terrible. Not only is it terrible, but I, have my, I got my hands on one of the 2017 MacBook Pros. I don't know if I mentioned it to you guys. I, I, I mentioned iOS 11 on my iPad. Um, I don't know if I mentioned uh, the, my, my review of the Touch Bar MacBook Pro. It's terrible. It has a lot in common with that show, The Critic. <laughs> it stinks. It stinks. <laughs> I didn't get the soundbite. I'm sorry. But it is, I mean, it is like, uh, it's like one of those words from South Park that I don't want to say because we have the clean tag on. But, uh, you know, it, it's just garbage. <laughs> Something cabbage. It really is. That does, uh, that does remind me, though, you really did have a Jack Crack Witch Weekend, didn't you? I did. But first, uh, Chris, how can you... You like using Vim. Yes. What is the key that you use the most in Vim? Uh, colon. There's, colon, okay. Knew you would say that. What is the key that you use the second most in Vim? Uh, slash. Slash. Okay. Just think about what he's trying to ask you. So Number you're... three. <laughs> Let's put this all in context, Christian. Third time's the charm. What is the key that you use a lot? <laughs> and what is the key that you use a lot in Vim? Uh, That's on the very When top you hit bar. colon and you want to go back to the screen, where you, you the regular oh, screen. You I, see, hit... I, don't, I don't use escape. I, and when I'm in Vim mode, I, I map that to alt. <laughs> 
You map that to alt? Yeah, that way I don't have to reach for, alt, for escape. My thumb's right there. You know, that would actually fix this problem that I have because the new Touch Bar MacBook Pros don't have an escape key. They don't have an escape key. It is software controlled, meaning that it's not in every application. And some applications decide to not display an escape key, which also means that if your application decides to hang, it stops working. How do you force quit something on a Macintosh? Escape Apple key doesn't force option quit on escape. But you can't Apple option escape if the escape key isn't there because it's been overridden with software to not display. This is why you just alt type your way to terminal and kill Wonderful. that Wonderful. That, that reminds me of something interesting um, that worries me with Androids, though, too, is that some of the new Android phones are taking away their back button. That's scary. Yeah. I mean, the, long- the iPhone X has no, has, doesn't even have a home button. Well, what I'll say about Android yeah, is long as I I'm getting scared s- for the UI for that. Uh, what I'll say about Android is as long as I have a way to get home and then be able to also go into my running apps and say, kill that app, that's the important part to me because that's how I save all my battery. So sure. I'll, go my, I'll go to like the tray of running apps and then just say, shut this one down, shut this one down, shut this right. one down. Right, they took that away from the iPhone X, but there is, a, there is some gesture in iOS 11. If you like swipe up with your penis, then <laughs> you can trigger the multitasking window. Um, if you yeah, buy it flowers no. and <laughs> we exactly rather shaft. than working on rather than working on I don't know figuring out how to put 32 gigs of RAM into a laptop. Hello Apple. They decided they're the, the geniuses in Cupertino are working on removing keys from a keyboard that nobody asked them to do to make a laptop <laughs> thinner that no one's asking them to make thinner because we need more screens and more things to be controlled by software rather than uh, than just hardware. I don't get it. Check this out. Well, I, what I was doing is the Touch Bar MacBook Pro also has Touch ID, which is nice. Uh, but, the, but And the Touch ID is where the power button is. As well as removing escape, they also remove the power button. Good luck turning off your computer or, or getting a hold of it if it, do, if it starts to become uncontrollable. Yeah. Anyway. Here's my idea. Wait, for wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. So in my ability to break technology, I, of course, broke Touch ID. And what happens is it froze. But it's in system preferences, and it took away the escape key. So now Touch ID is frozen. I can't really click anything else. I can move the cursor, but if I click the mouse, it doesn't do anything, because, of course, that is also controlled by software now. And uh, the only thing that I would be able to do is control or or, uh, Apple option escape and force quit system preferences, but I can't. So, so get an external keyboard with an escape key? You have key? to. Apple's official recommendation is that you throw the computer away, and you buy a new one. <laughs> that's really that's what they've got. So I don't know. It just and I'm sorry to go on like that, but it, like it, it's just disgusting. Yeah, I have like I said, I have this computer. My the, the the my computer at home is a Retina from 2013, early 2013. 16 gigs of RAM, 512 gig SSD, two gig two gigabytes discrete video card, Retina display, no touch bar, works fine. New computer, oh, and it's a 2.7 gigahertz i7. New computer, 2 gigabyte discrete video card, 512 gig SSD, uh, 16 gigabytes of RAM. Same retina display, except this one is more yellow. And it's a 3.1 instead of a 2.7. So four years, 400 megahertz. It's the only difference. Yep. We covered That's, this last week. It, did we? Mm-hmm. Well, then yep. you could have stopped me five minutes ago. You would have kept on going, knowing you. Here, here's my probably. solution, though, for them to uh, save themselves: is if they want to put, if they want to win in both ways, and they want that new touchpad thing, they should put that touchpad on the bottom front right corner 
that would face outward except at like angles so it doesn't face quite outward it faces up a little bit so then you can use that and see it and look up at you and then it, it can be like illuminating so text just, or whatever. I would just say make it the can touch display text when the thing's closed t- t- and then Tyler. you could put the physically the physical F, uh, F key roll but why, back again. Tyler why not Tyler, just put an iPhone phone. oh shit why not just put oh. wow <laughs> wow that was so appropriate no 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 something just like fell on my desk that was so appropriate I though. really almost broke a bunch of things uh, anyway, Tyler, you're describing your phone. It sounds like no. I got a good idea. It it would work, but it's okay. It'd be like right below the the mouse pad. Why not just mm, put an iPhone edge. in the trackpad? Oh, actually, so Razer's done this for a while, where you have a touchscreen on your trackpad. I literally just said that. Yeah, I just said that Razer's done it though. Okay, well, Apple should do that. Simpsons right. did it. Let's get off of these computers and go on. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, this isn't just a show about computers. Uh, Let's talk about a file system that stores your data in ICMP ping packets. Which is? PingFS. Okay, which does? Stores your data in pings. It writes your data into ICMP type 3 packets, which will then just stay in bandwidth. Basically, the idea is uh, you have a bunch of servers running... And you're using your bandwidth, which will use a slight bit more CPU than writing it to an actual disk. But this would be literally just having it in the internet. <laughs> just well, floating around. In internet, yeah. Just your data floats around and can access it like files. I mean, it's it has to be stored somewhere. somewhere. No, it's literally just in bandwidth. It's like the sixth sense. Just so if you get a power outage, then purpose. all your data is gone. Yep. Ha! <laughs> but does that mean that it has to constantly send traffic in order to keep the data alive? Yep. Well, that's really bad in terms of other other uses for bandwidth. Well, you should look at how most uh, distributed file systems work. So if it all goes down for a certain time, then it all gets But distributed erased. file systems have hard data storage. Right, they do. They, they have persistence. This does not have persistence. Right, so if, you, if, it, if it's raining all day like it is today, and your power goes out, then your data is screwed. Right, this is, this is AP, not CP. Gotcha. Gotcha. I saw P last night. Wait. <laughs> Next. <laughs> wait, P? What, what, what? Oh, wait. It means, I don't know. Wait, why would it be gone to see Eric that? Eric went to a strip club. We'll, we'll never know which time. Whoa, whoa. I, maybe. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, what kind of bachelor party was this? Was this one for two grooms? <laughs> yes. Um... I watched all of the Chrome Dev Summit 2017 videos, so you don't have to. It wasn't me. It was this guy reading, uh, writing for Medium. Well, on Medium. On Medium for, for Redfin. Redfin. Uh, TLDR, Google wants you to build progressive web apps, reduce JavaScript file size, use web components, and configure autofill. So what I love about the word web components was the first time that was used was a Steve Jobs keynote in the 90s. And Where? Then- it was about like using web components back when it was a thing for uh, uh, that was like, hey, use HTML, and then uh, DHTML. That was what it was. Ah, use DHTML. I DHTML. But uh, so yeah, now web components means something totally different. But it's that mean, that, like, today that means back. custom elements and shadow DOM. Yep. They seem they seem to be giving up on HTML imports. Specifically, they'd like you to use Polymer. I don't know what Polymer is. That's their. Uh, uh, the web component toolkit. 
Uh, well, you know, then they also want you to use progressive web apps because then all of your websites go to Google first instead yeah. of to your web server. I you know, the, I find the Google developer keynote is always, hey, here's how the front end should look. And then it's like in the back end, it's like everybody has their own way of doing things. In fact, Google, Google still should not be allowed to dictate how front ends of any website should work because well, they have terrible they have, front ends. They have much more say in that for some reason than how back end stuff works, aside from big data. The- well, that's I, I would say that's the opposite of how it should be because Google has done so much innovation. And in yeah, the use, I've, I've gotten and- drinks enough times with their DNS team to know that they're just good engineers okay next uh yep oh yeah we're still at the top of the show this is going on for way too long i'm sorry i am just slow today <laughs> we um, we triggered like one and a half eric apple attacks <laughs> yeah i'm so oh, oh, oh. it's like well, it's like talk, uh actually you can't no, say the a word around eric too much he gets yeah. excited i'm sorry yeah and i'm just really i'm really i'm really I'm, I, and i've got no energy so anyway uh christian because it's sunday night that means it's time for our GitHub Issues of the Week. Our first GitHub Issue of the Week doesn't come to us from React. It actually comes from something that you would use to view a React project. Mozilla. Web renderer. Called Servo. Well, no, the project is Servo. Oh. And then this is a subset of Servo called Web Web Render. Okay. Servo was uh, really the first project to use Rust for production use. And Rust is... Uh, a language Mozilla created to be uh, kind of on par with C++, but in such a way that you didn't have to worry about buffer overflows and uh, uh, garbage collection. Although it wouldn't have a garbage collector, it would be that you at compile time handle all these things. Hmm. Okay. Yep. And so uh, the issue here is that uh, the, the, when you get that blur going on, whether it's mm-hmm. like you want to show focus on something, but that... that uh, CSS blur uh, feature. Right, right. It's much more coarse using web render, which is currently embedded into uh, the latest version of Firefox on the beta, huh. which the beta is pretty sweet. It's way faster than Chrome ever was. So it's How many Chrome extensions do you have in the Firefox beta? I have three. And they're, they're what? Push Bullet. Uh, the, uh, they have Save to Inbox, <laughs> which I love. A Google thing works in Mozilla. And Hangouts, because you can't run Hangouts natively in uh, uh, Firefox anymore. Okay. And how many extensions do you have in Chrome? I have the same three plus an ad block. Oh, that's it. It's pretty light. Yep. And how All right. Well, I was going to say Netscape Syndrome. But, um, <laughs> well, I mean, this is kind of asking. I mean, this is a really the cherry well, sorry, on top. Sorry, I, I don't have Hangouts on there. Okay. Well, Chrome. this is really asking for, like, a cherry on top. So the blur doesn't look as blurry mm-hmm. on WebRender but it does with Chrome. Okay. Can't they just use... I mean, that doesn't seem like that's part of the rendering engine. That just seems like that's part of the compositing. Well, that's I feel like they could the, take out the algorithm that the does the blur. Hang, handles, though. Well, no, but I mean, I feel like that the algorithm that does the blur is independent from how the page is laid out. Right. But WebRender handles all this. I know, but what I'm saying is that they, if it... Gecko without WebRender looks like Chrome, meaning they could have taken the Blur algorithm from no, Gecko is, and imported it into WebRender. This is not uh, uh, Gecko anymore. They replaced Gecko with Quantum in Firefox. What did I say, Firefox. Christian? What did I say? I don't know what you, you said. You can take the algorithm that does the blurring and import it into the new web rendering engine because that should be something that they could just move over. They, I don't feel like that's the entirely dependent on the architecture of the system, although I don't know. So the big issue there is that uh, it's actually got memory issues in the way that Gecko did it. So this is 
this, while it's part of the server project, it was also pulled into Quantum, which is the uh, replacement for Gecko in the new Firefox. And so uh, part of it is that they're looking to, uh, like, it's the same, it's the same, it's a blur algorithm. The, the, the algorithm itself is the same. You just have to tweak certain uh, qualities to it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so the solution is tweaking the ratio at which things are blurred? It seems yeah, pretty so easy. Yeah, you've got, you've got like a x-axis, a y-axis, and in some cases a z-axis, although this is not handling three, 3D render. Uh, this particular part, web rendering. You know, is, you know, I I do know that Gecko has worked on 3D rendering web pages because you can you can view yeah. a page in layer mode. Web render would be a subset. Uh, well, Gecko would be a superset, except web render is a, a subset to uh, Quantum. In Quantum, there's something else handling 3D render. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else to add? Nope, not particularly. Wonderful. Cool then let's move though. on to our next. GitHub Issue of the Week. Our next GitHub Issue of the Week comes to us from something living under my oven. Cockroach DB. Or just Cockroach. Uh, stability, node and cluster with TLS errors. Uh, oh, with node and cluster with TLS errors after rotating certs. So you're switching out certs because the old one's expired. And the whole idea with uh, Cockroach DB is it's this uh, distributed database b- based off of Google Spanner, which the idea of that is you can write to any one node and it'll always be consistent. But since you don't have that, you don't have atomic clocks if you're not Google. So they do math on their uh, with uh, a raft replication to emulate that with uh, Cockroach. And so uh, you're communicating across data centers. And when you're doing that, you want to use TLS to encrypt everything. And if you have to swap out those certs, then one particular node will fail subsequently. And it seems like the actual solution here would be uh, being that this is Go, you get an uh, end of file when you uh, close unexpectedly on the TLS connection. So it's just a matter of cockroach has to handle this better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, okay. Well, uh, like last week, I have much less to say about, <laughs> about this one. Um hmm. Yeah. Don't worry, your favorite's coming up. Yay! Okay, well then let's move to our next GitHub issue of the week. It comes to us from our favorite JavaScript library. We should really put these first. Uh, <laughs> just because we're, we always expect to have one. Uh, from React! Unexpected, render, or unexpected re-renders while in production environment. React is making unexpected re-renders when used along React Router DOM and React CSS modules only happens in production do i feel like this is their build setup so they're saying they're doing the uh production build of react which is that whole minified take out the debug oh right this is is react and not create react app right right well then i mean then they have to control their production build well this is like you're building it yourself you don't have that luxury of having a framework so yeah they think it's a uh, Babel plugin issue how? Like a, a Babel plugin could be uh, miscompiling things. Mistranscribing things, it, I should say. Why would that cause a re-render? Because you don't take out a certain uh, thing that should only be left in, in development, and then that could be leaving re-renders. Okay, but I mean, wouldn't they not use the Babel compiled code because they're on a, uh, you know, a new system? 
something? Well, it's in the production environment. Yeah, but they're not saying, like, they're not differentiating. They're not saying only legacy browsers because Babel would transpile their code down to older JavaScript. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if this is in production environment, even if it's for new browsers, why would it be a Babel plugin then? If because it's you're using Babel to compile it, and then you're serving one thing across the board. So even if you're, if, if you're in a browser, an environment that can support ES6, if, it, if you're running Babel, you're using the polyfilled version? Yep. No. I wonder if they might try rewriting their code a little bit and just refactoring it. That might be the... Uh, Facebook or, or Babel? Um, the user. The user. Yeah. Because it sounds like, uh, you know, Babel's just missing a, a, a simple variable. Like, oh, if, if environment do this, well, it's missing that just based on the way that... On, a, on an anomaly. Hmm. If you set it up in a different way, it might catch it. Hmm. Good point. Good point. I'm used to JavaScript being flimsy like that. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Moving on, and our last GitHub issue of the week comes to us from D. Pressel? No, that's the user. Oh, sorry. Uh, Rude uh, Rude Carney. Who's Rude Carney? Well, Rude Carney is a uh, a thing of software uh, that provides age and gender detection using TensorFlow's AI. Gender detection, right, okay. Wait, what? So, like, you take an email and then it goes and finds everything else on the internet and tries to detect how old that person is? Well, like, the example is, like, you use a photo. Ah, okay. This is how computers identify people, so... (laughs) Well, this sounds transphobic. Or maybe not. Maybe it'll identify no, you as trans. Well, in my head, an application could be that it could be, uh, uh, you know, trying to find porn and porn that's got people that are too young in it. But, uh, you know, Australia took care of that. And they just email that. all that to Christian. Do you know how Australia took care of that problem? Uh, they don't allow women with A cups to be in pornography. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's true. I did not know that. That's true, yeah. Fact. Yeah, you didn't know that? Wow. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd be the one to know that. Yeah. No. I, but yes, what? the true <laughs> the true connoisseur jumps in with the assist. All right. Well, uh, Tyler, of course, after Christian's, uh, after Christian's GitHub issues, it's always time for your plus one. Our pull request plus ones are where we send out well wishes and acknowledgments of awesomeness to people and other organizations. Who's our first plus one this week, Tyler? Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico, the hurricane ravaged territory, said it will scrap the $300 million contract with Whitefish, the tiny little contracting agency. Two-person company. Two-person. There we go. Christian. We can Not we can make a three hundred million dollar con- we should get a three hundred million dollar contract. We're basically a two person <laughs> yeah. company. There was there was no no proof of their ability to take care of that situation, but there was a lot of proof of their close ties with the current White House administration's campaign funds. So it's a good thing Puerto Rico's saying no way. Wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I don't want to. I'm not. You know what? No. I was going to say something, but in the name of not getting too political, it's fun. Let's move on. Your next plus one goes to... Tesla. Tesla. Also related with Puerto Rico, the company restored power to a children's hospital in Puerto Rico. Ah, oh wait, hold on. You know what, Tyler? What's up? I've got something to say about Tesla. I'm sorry to stop this. I have to give them a minus one. Oh. 
because yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really sorry. But remember when we talked last week how it was nice that they opened up this new factory in China? Yeah. Did you hear about the massive layoffs they've had in the U.S.? No. Yes. Boo. Oh, I wow. can't play the thunder and the music. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so they get an overall neutral for the week. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry about that, but uh, yeah, They're I don't. Saving I don't know. children anyway, maybe in Puerto a, Rico. Maybe a plus zero. Saving children in Puerto Rico and killing jobs in America. I mean, you know, they're right up there with the Clinton Foundation helping AIDS babies in Africa and then killing people in Haiti. Anyway, let's move on. Your next plus one goes to... <laughs> they haven't killed anyone. <laughs> the uh, final one goes to Corey Feldman. Um, Very political he, this week, Tyler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess so. Um, Who is Corey he, Feldman? Uh, he was the uh, 80s child star that was uh, raped by Charlie Sheen. Oh... I didn't know that. He was raped by Charlie Sheen? Yeah. Hey, let's cut it cut it out with the rape stuff. Come on. He said it first. I know, but this is what happened last week. We can't just let's say rape That's a bunch of times explicit. on a tech this show. This is news. Uh, they get to say that on CNN. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <That's not even laughs> All okay. right. Well... In the wake of last week's big old media bust about Harvey Weinstein, Corey Feldman launched a campaign to uh, call other Hollywood celebrities out to back him in taking down the big Hollywood stars uh, that have pedophilia and other scandals involved in their dark past. So uh, that's a good thing because our uh, it's important not to have our media conglomerates gatekeys held by those with sinister intentions. Uh, media and the internet should be open, so... Cheers to him, and best luck. So, the, Tyler, does this mean that Alex Jones might be right? Uh, I don't know. What, what, what are your favorite? Alex to? Jones has talked about a Hollywood pedophile sex ring for years, but nobody believes him because he's Alex Jones. I mean, this is the second time he's been proven right about something. Yeah, you know. Well, well there's the chemicals in the water turning the frogs gay, so that might be next. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if we were well, we about... When you find really stylish frogs, you'll know. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> Sadly, a lot of really big, high organizations happen to have problems with big pedophile rings. Yeah? We learned that from the English government. Yeah, uh, I mean, Adam Curry, uh, who uh, hosts the best podcast in the universe, was kicked off of Dutch radio because he said everyone in the Dutch government were pedophiles. He turned out to be true. It turned out to be true, but they canned him, and then they burnt the station down. I'm not even kidding. Wow. All right, anyway, this is the explicit section of our show tonight. Uh, (laughs) None of that was explicit. Okay, I'm listening. It was news. That's it. They get to say that on CNN. Okay. That's fine, and that's been our Plus Ones. Okay. Such now, 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 let's not talk music. about pedophiles for the rest of the show, please. I wasn't planning on it. Okay. It comes out of left field. Like a... Jesus Christ. It was big. And you know, and Christian gives me so much crap about creating an authoritative show, Tyler. Like, we report on the internet. That's a very big thing. I on the know, internet. And it's I know also it a viral is. And you're right. Piece of news on the internet. You're right. You're right. You're See, right. I just, and we want to support I, I, good I, things like that. Yeah, especially because it's being covered up by other media. So the internet's its only hope for getting around. I mean, this is one I feel where it's like you're not really, there's no side to it other than the, the one that most people. Most uh, anyone who's sane will take, which is pedophiles are bad. 
there's nothing wrong with this one as far as I can see. Yeah, well, the problem it's... is is that you've engaged in two major flubs there. Uh, one, you're a sanist by insinuating that people uh, who are mentally or neuro neurodivergent are worse than people who aren't. And then the second thing is you mentioned the pedophilia as something bad and not a distinct form of sexuality. Now, Christian, how does that make you feel? I'm not saying every insane person is a pedophile. I'm saying that you no, have I know, to be insane. No, I know, I know. You're saying, you're saying that uh, insane people uh, are worse, are subhuman, and you're saying that no, uh, pedophiles are also subhuman. Saying, well, yes, pedophiles are, are subhuman. This is what happens when I read Left Book every day. The, this and the never-ending anxiety attacks. Anyway, we don't have time for this. Let's move on uh, to ransomware. We always like to check in with ransomware on pull request. Hackers make the first ever ransomware... For smart thermostats. <laughs> oh man, that's like Christian, picture. you know Give what I told you? Will turn your house super hot. Yeah. G guess what? Well, that second picture. We well, yeah. You you suck. Pay one bitcoin to get control back, which is now six thousand dollars. But get, get, guess who also has that thermostat? You. No. Not me. Mugatu. <laughs> no, but I've seen it in an office before when I was interviewing uh, about a year ago. Uh huh. Who was that? I'm not telling because then you know who and be. Oh, I hate those guys. I'm gonna screw them over and give them ransomware. Was well, it wasn't? Anyway, uh, well, it turns out that uh, people have figured out how to hack thermostats as they're getting more complex. I think your thermostat runs Android, Christian. So then it should be hacked. It does not, Why not? run Android. It runs embedded Linux. You're just saying that so people won't hack it. No, it really doesn't run Android. <laughs> oh, okay. It runs embedded Linux. <laughs> Um, well, let's see. Uh, this has been a synod the day, uh, well, one day your thermostat will get hacked by some cyber criminal hundreds of miles away. And this has been a scenario that security experts have touted as one of the theoretical dangers of the rise of the Internet of Things. And so now people have created ransomware that attack thermostats. Uh, luckily, these two security researchers, Andrew Tier Tierney and Ken Munro, uh, they have their white hats. They have no ill intention they just wanted to make a point that some IoT devices fail to take simple security precautions. Much like desktops, uh, desktop operating, ah, I can't talk, desktop operating systems also refused to uh, think about security first until the late 90s. Really? Or really, the blaster worm, you know, minus Linux. Like, <laughs> there wasn't really too much security in Mac OS. There wasn't that much security in Windows until, they, until uh, the blaster worm. <laughs> You know what else I call the blaster worm? What's that? <laughs> My super soaker. It <laughs> was funny. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, just just uh, sharing that we don't have any control over our devices and don't really know what they're doing or how they're doing it. These researchers said, and if they start doing something you don't understand, you don't have a way of dealing with it. Will we be controlled by our technology in the future? More at 11. I mean, I just picture it being like, uh, you know that uh, scene in Big Mouth when the kid runs into the living room and he's like, why does nothing work in this house? And the dad just goes, tell me about it. It's funny. I'm seeing like a nightmare from Pee Wee Herman where the house is trying to attack you. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty good. Um, there's also, that wasn't just the first IoT ransomware, there is actually more IoT ransomware, uh, Reaper. This is not ransomware, this is a botnet, we went over this, big difference. Oh, crap. Why didn't I put that in the notes? Why do I share things with you? 
Well, because we do this show together. Why didn't I put in the notes it's not ransomware, it's a botnet, so we don't have to talk about it. No, we can if you want. We can talk about it. It's super interesting. Uh, Basically, it is something that uh, in my uh, area of work uh, we're gearing up for because botnets love to uh, DDoS, uh, particularly uh, infrastructure companies. And with this one, it's a new botnet that it's spreading like a virus, spreads way faster than Mirai ever did. And it is... Uh, <laughs> Unless you're dancing on a pole. <laughs> oh, you mean like you did this weekend? <laughs> no, you, you can't come back from that. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, uh, so it does use parts of Mirai. It did add a Lua interpreter, though, so all of a sudden it can be like, let's make Mirai dynamic. <laughs> okay, and what is Mirai uh, exactly? That was that botnet, that DDoS9 uh, that everybody uh, oh, talks about. Oh, okay. So this botnet, uh, it takes it's based off of Mirai. Yep, it uh, uses, it uses uh, libraries from Mirai. Got you, but it's actually distinct in several key behaviors, including no longer cracking any weak password. They only exploit IoT device vulnerabilities. A Lua execution environment. Oh, oh, sorry, Lua execution environment integrated. You mentioned that, so more complex attacks can be supported and carried out. And scan behavior is not very aggressive, so it can stay under the radar. Yeah, so it, it won't look like it's running all the time. That's It'll smart. Just be every once in a while. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they've got a downloader, a controller, a reporter, and a loader. They all have different IP addresses, and they're all probably completely different uh, things, devices. And these look like they're really spread out in the, by the IP ranges. Maybe One, you'll six- find that guy who hijacked your phone number through this. Yeah. I mean, I don't get calls from him. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you guys. It's, <laughs> I, I will say it's died down all of a sudden. Died down. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to change my phone number, and we'll see if the if you get calls from the new phone number, and then if you do, then there is something about me. Because <laughs> if that, then there is something where, it, you know, honestly, it could be. Remember that exploit we talked about where someone is 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 uh, faking the iOS uh, authentication dialog windows. Yep. That honestly, like I was signing into, um, I can't remember what it was. Pornhub? Yes, I have the Pornhub app on my phone, Christian. No, Grinder. <laughs> right. No, I can't remember what it was, but it just said enter the password for you know your email address, your Apple ID. And I did, and I was like, I don't, is this even, is this right? Is this what the dialog box should look like? But because they can look identical, even if it did look identical, there's no way to really tell. Huh. So, it was Tinder, actually, not Grinder. Uh, uh, speaking of Grinder, and no worries if you want to use Grinder, Eric. I support you. Do whatever you want to do. Listen, you know we live in, in Brooklyn. There's a lot of <laughs> but, matches. Uh, uh, in Egypt, apparently, uh, the 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 police are using Grinder to lure uh, guys to <laughs> hotels and arrest them. Uh, it's funny but sad. Yeah, that's rude. That's yeah, wow. Rude. Everyone should be free to go get booty. Yes. <laughs> And, oh, by, the, dollar. by the way, one last thing about <laughs> IoT Reaper. There are nine vulnerability exploits for Internet of Things that are integrated into this malware. For D- a lot of them are for D-Link devices. There's a Netgear, yeah. Linksys. Well, D-Link architecture is easy to uh, acquire uh, documentation on, so it's easy to figure out exploits. It's not. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey Grinder is D-Link architecture. <laughs> 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 Uh, oh no, my audience! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> I was actually supposed to get a stage manager for the studio audience, and he did not show up yet again. I don't know what happened to him. Just anyway. so you know, that joke has layers if you think about it. Because then if you think of like Deep Link and like Link like a sausage link, then oh, that's the next one. Link. I thought you were saying no it. Deep Link. You said Deep Link. No D Link. Like the D is linked, which still works for oh, the case of grinder. Also works. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was One. working a different way. <laughs> Technically, t- Tinder also has D-links, just that they end in a different uh, uh, area. Yeah, right. sometimes they're just V-links. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, big exploit of the week. Malware hidden in video app is so nasty, victims should wipe their Macintosh. That's right, there's a, pro- a video, uh, sorry, the uh, L Media. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know who they are. Ultima Software, which makes the popular L Media Player and download manager Folks, F-O-L-X, today confessed that the latest versions of those, of those two apps come with the horrid OSX.Proton malware. Proton is a, control, a remote-controlled Trojan specifically designed for Mac, hence the name OSX. Standard, uh, standard Trojan behavior. Um, and can ga- uh, gain access to a victim's iCloud account. Uh, iCloud? Wow. iCloud account, <laughs> even soon. if two-factor <laughs> authentication is used, which, by the way, is so cumbersome in iCloud. It just... I don't know if it's because of how they're handling legacy systems, but I had to do 2FA with iCloud recently where I type in my password to install a software update. It then sends a message to my phone... That pops up, and then all of my other Apple devices, and saying, hey, someone wants to authenticate. And then they give you a code, and then on your desktop, well, that's normal, but then on your desktop, it says, enter your password, followed by this code. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know. It's ridiculous. Apple, just start fresh. Just throw everything away, and just start from scratch again. <laughs> Sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes you really just have to throw it all away and oh, start crap. from scratch. This is Apple attack number three. The the oh no. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you something. I, I just want to talk about something really quickly about Apple. <laughs> anyway, you need to get a little brown paper bag with the Apple logo drawn on it. <laughs> get my asthma inhaler out. Uh, a total system OS reinstall is the only guaranteed way to totally rid your system of this malware. This is a standard procedure for any system compromised with the affection or affectation of the administrator account. Clearly the company dropped the ball, though, if this malware just comes with software that they sell. No, they packaged it. Yeah. Because they got a, a kickback. Oh, I see. It was, in, you know, it was explicit. Hmm. Yes. And, uh, yes. And also, uh, much like the other things that we do on Sunday night, I, I don't know, there's never a good segue for this because it's always just Theresa May mothers the internet but this week it's actually the FBI uh, that's a bit of a stretch for that opening. Uh, gets the segment. But the problem is is that every week on Theresa May Murders the Internet, we talk about how encryption is slowly being attacked by the entire world. The concept of encryption, the idea, the practice of encryption, the idea of being able to freely and openly use encryption. It's like practicing religion, you know? And uh, it's being attacked literally by world governments and many world governments. And, uh, and so... The FBI director, Christopher Wray, uh, recently has tried to break into some 6,900 mobile devices and failed. 
within the last year. He calls device encryption, quote, a huge problem at the International Association of Chiefs of Police on Sunday. Man, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in that venue. Real piece Jesus. of work. He, That's a he, bad Chris. Bad Chris. <laughs> so many donuts. Although he added he understood that there was a balance that needs to be struck between encryption and the importance of giving them the tools they need to keep the public safe. <clears throat> like shooting people. Anyway. Oh, well, man. Oh, so there's like a big old, like, you know, battle about, like, some of the cops are like, hey, how's your gun, British cop? Oh, my bad. You don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the American cop brought like every gun in the SWAT team arsenal. Like, look at this one. Ah, oh, the department just picked this guy up. Oh, I got twelve <laughs> of these. <laughs> What's in your arsenal? Oh, you I bet you stick. guys aren't even allowed to legally read the evidence locker. We have a, a uh, we have a strobe light and a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Stop a or a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and, you know, knife attacks are more popular in England. But anyway, uh, we digress. Well, obviously. Um, <laughs> they the, can't uh, buy guns at Walmart. Yeah, the cops yeah. are just bringing whistles to the knife fight. There you go. Uh, one thing that we didn't touch on on our cryptocurrency episode is that the first atomic transaction between Bitcoin and Ethereum has completed. What does that mean, Christian? It means that for some Bitcoin, there was a transfer to Ethereum and vice versa or vice versa. Yes, and it was the first time that a cryptocurrency has been exchanged for another cryptocurrency directly, atomically, in one transaction. And uh, let's see, the CEO of this, the CEO of this exchange, Andrew Gadetsky, uh, Gazdetsky, uh, that's right up there with Kajutsko. Uh, I'm trying to remember if that might be the guy who created Ethereum. Does he have really cool T-shirts? I don't know. I, I'm not in love with him, Christian. I do. Uh, <laughs> Tyler created Ethereum then. Uh, yes. Let's see. Uh, announced, his intention to create a, <laughs> announced his intention to create a repository in GitHub on Tuesday. Uh, future of uh, crypto trading for decentralized platform. Uterin. What was that? I'm thinking Vitalik Buterin. That's the Ethereum creator. That's the name? Yeah, that sounds like a, That sounds he's like Russian. a prescription drug. <laughs> he's Russian. He looks like a super stereotypical computer programmer. And he has dope t-shirts. Vital acubuterin may cause. <laughs> <laughs> Dope t-shirts. Uh, let's see. Um, the concept of atomic transactions was first described in 2013 by or Noland. Thanks to this technology, users can make a direct exchange of crypto loans from two independent brokers without resorting to intermediaries in the form of exchanges or exchange platforms, which makes sense since so much of this cryptocurrency was designed to be decentralized. Yep. Wonderful. I'm glad you guys are so interested in this. <laughs> You've been beating it to death, honestly. What? I, oh, I'm just a little confused at how it works. It's only like, blowing up right now, Christian. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about it. It's played out. It's is not it? played out. It's blossoming. You, how are you so bitter and so young? I don't get that. <laughs> you need it. You're, you're like, you're bitter for like a 50-year-old, Christian. <laughs> I swear to God. It's kind of true. It's hilarious that, like, Christian or Eric was, like, bitter as, like, a 30-year-old and Christian's bitter on, like, a more old man level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, whatever. It's just those numbers on the screen. It's fine. I'm bitter on, like, a 26-year-old level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't know, I just I've 
I've dealt with this stuff for so long now, so it's not news. It is new. Okay, Christian, did you ever? Tra- did you have you ever traded Bitcoin for Ethereum in one transaction without going to an exchange? No. Then holy shit, it's news. That's right, and much like that, holy shit, it's news. Uh, we Language. have time. God. All the warning on us, and we were actually clean, and then you blow it in the end. Yeah. Oh, wow. Get off your knees, blue. You're wow. blowing the game. Okay. Hey, no f bombs. I, I dropped didn't no say F-bombs. that. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, right. So Eric There's another story, Christian, where you're also just as bitter at something that you also believe has been entirely played out. Let's hear it from our news department. No money on presents. News to you. Washington, D.C. This past Tuesday, the U.S. Senate voted to strike a federal rule that would have allowed consumers to affected by the aforementioned Equifax hack to gain restitution for the horrors most Americans and most Americans have suffered therein. On H.J. Resolution 111, the vote was high. However, the breaking vote was cast in Equifax's favor by our own Vice President, Mike Pence. Specifically, the rule prohibits class action lawsuits against financial companies who bind their customers with an arbitration agreement, a way of arguing things outside of the court, typically benefiting the company initiating the agreement. Equifax created a website to see if you've been hacked. However, using that website may compromise your ability to sue them. So what does this mean for computer security going forward? Only time will tell. And so many Americans are afraid of what happens next. We at least know the world still turns and the truth marches on. And that's why this has been News to You. Brought to you by Nemoni. Equifax. Wow. Did I screw myself by hitting the button while we were on the show? Probably. I, f- I might have. Right, Tyler? I, I, I don't know. Remember do we mean? went to that website, like EquifaxSecurity2017.com? Oh. <laughs> and it was like, che- enter your name to see if you've been hacked. And then we did. And then there were the terms of service that said if you use this website and agree to their fraud protection, that you also agree to not sue them in a class. Yeah. So if you agreed to that, then yeah, you might have screwed yourself. I can't remember. Ooh. Oh, well. Well, you guys should sue them. We should make a service that lets you find out if you actually did it. (laughs) Yeah, and then not say, but by the way, now that you found out, you actually can't sue them. Good job. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I forgot to do my, uh... You know, it's funny. It's funny because I got... I was supposed to do the, uh... Thank you. You know, when I got this new iPad... I got it because we were supposed to be able to fit more jingles on it. That's why I got the bigger one. And it's the same number of jingles. The boxes are just bigger. And All right, I, Apple Attack number four. Number four. <laughs> it's actually not Apple. It's the app design. You know what, though? It's fitting for a Halloween episode because it's like there's way too many sequels, which is like most <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> Guess True. what, Christian? What? Apple Attack. <laughs> Hungry for apples. Apple Attack <laughs> 4, blood on my iPad. An apple attack. I don't know why there's that <laughs> lag. It's like a whole second. Anyway. Um, okay. Uh, this week's episode is about hard drives. Giggity. Uh, and because I was away writing polls this weekend or something, I was definitely writing the D for some 
portion of it. Uh, the D train, that is. Uh, uh, you guys filled in with, uh, or, or, or what am I? What am I trying to say? I don't know. Let's talk about hard drives. I am really, I am lost. This is Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> I am just out of it today. Um, let's talk about hard drives. Let's talk about what is a hard drive. What is it? This is weird music for this, but uh, okay. So a hard drive is a, uh, a form of um, form of po- uh, polarized material that can store uh, data it, uh, as bits. So uh, whether that be uh, it's magnetized or if it's uh, built using some kind of semiconductor that can hold an electronical charge uh, for a very long period of time, that's basically what a hard drive is. Is it basically, I mean, it's the same type of magnetism that you can get from a tape. It's just in a platter well, rather than in a so, spoon. No, no. So now, now we're talking a specific type of hard drive. We're talking about like a spinning disk ah, hard drive. Ah, that's true. That's more general. Okay, you know what? Let's not. Uh, that's, that's next. That's not even running That's there next. Yet. Okay. Uh, so a hard drive works like a record player. Yeah? Would you say? Sort of. Sort on, of. A re- on a read, yes. Okay, uh, like a jukebox. You have your stack and again, of records. It, it works like this on, or like a, spinning a, disc again. on a spinning disc. It does. Okay. And so obviously the, the electrical charges, the pluses and the minuses, correlate to ones and zeros. Yep. And how does that work on something like a tape drive, where it's just, it's still... It's, it's also magnetized. It's, it's still just, magnetized, but not in binary. Or is it? It is. Well, what about on like an audio tape, like a cassette? It is also... Is it? But that's 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 different. That's analog, though, not digital. Right. But that's so you're not. So it's well, a similar it, principle. It's analog. It's analog data, I should say. The, the magnetization, though, of storing data on tape versus on a disc is just the same, but the mechanics of it are different. Right. Okay. Uh, types of hard drives. We have, of course, the regular spinning disc inside of most. Actually, mm-hmm. I shouldn't even say most computers these days, because don't most people have laptops with solid state discs, SSDs? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say which is fantastic to say that like the I'd say that the standard drive these days is more often than not uh, flash memory, no so, moving parts. It's so just, can uh, we describe this the spinning disc um, and how well, it's stored? Is this is this spinning disc? Is this a, a magnetic so, disc or is this actually like a record where there's a groove and yeah. that's representing zeros and ones? Well, so uh, on this traditional spinning disc hard drive, uh, which I still have plenty in my uh, desktop, but they're just used for the larger things to store. I mean, I've and, got a, fun, uh, a bunch of them in my Hackintosh. They're just, you know, many terabytes. Yeah. So what they're called is uh, magnetic pallets. These pa- pa- or, yeah, pallets. Uh, what these are, they, they look like discs. They're these, uh, I forget what the actual material is, that they, what el- uh, periodic element is, it's made out of. But Silver? Uh, it's not silver. Uh, uh, it's something um, much different. Um but basically, it has this little arm on the uh, in the hard drive that will actually write the uh, magnetic polarity uh, for one or a zero to it, and does it in this spiraling uh, fashion. Where then there's a bunch of things to like optimize how you read and write from a spinning disk. Uh, like uh, you can do uh, like in your software, you can do things like an LSM tree, which is great for uh, having a bunch of uh, in uh, your application. LSM stands for uh, log structure merge tree. Okay. Which this would be like in your in your software. Then you have a bunch of ra- uh, random uh, writes that then get uh, merged into a single stream that then uh, for sequential writing to disk. Hmm. Nice. Gotcha. So then there's a program that can optimize where those locations on the disk are going to be and do them in the best order. 
Well, so your file system is supposed to do that, where it's like uh, you have the virtual file system that uh, you're dealing with an application space that's part of the kernel, and then under that you have things like ext4fs, apfs, aufs, butterfs, all these things. Right, the file system managers. Yep. And then you also have your partition uh, table, which is the first several by- uh, bytes on your each drive, and then you have your partitions. So yeah, your boot sector is usually the traditional one. And then you have your, your regular uh, partitions that are these file systems. Now that applies to any type of uh, hard drive, not just SSD or not not just a traditional uh, hard disk. Right, that's, that, that's what's inside of the disk or contained inside of the magnetized memory. Yeah, uh, the platters uh, research. Uh, this just in. Uh, the platters are made from aluminum and ceramic material. Ceramic substrate. Wow. Platters are typically made using an aluminum or glass and ceramic substrate. In manufacturing, a thin coating is deposited on both sides of the substrate, mostly by a, a vacuum deposition process called magnetron sputtering. That's what is a transformer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, coat, the coating has a complex layered structure consisting of various metallic, or mostly non-magnetic, alloys as underlayers, optimized for the control of the crystallographic orientation and the grain size or actual of the actual media layer on top of them. As in the film storing the bits of information. I assume that the, magnet, uh, the magnets have to be... Like, are, there, are there, like, pixels, basically, in memory, like... Like it says, grain size. This is the size of what what one. Yeah. This is the physical size of what a bit is. Yeah, you have like a cell, and then this is that trans- standardized, or is that just abstracted so the hard drive deals with that? It stuff? depends on uh, several things. Like uh, SATA will have it different than IDE and SCSI, and then beyond that, it'll be for a particular manufacturer. It might be different if it has control for that. And then, of course, there's Scuzzy things that bit. also there's also things that uh, factor into it, like uh, AHCI. Uh, which is the traditional way for uh, the uh, computer to actually read from a, like a SATA drive? Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I, could, I should put the music back on. So I, I guess so. Uh, what we should go into next then would be SSDs, which the ways the, the way that works is uh, there's several different designs for this, but essentially you have this cell, which is a semiconductor that can hold a charge for a very long period of time. So it's either a zero or a one, and with that. You have um, it can be a single cell can hold either just once a thing, one particular uh, bit, which would be really fast reads, and uh, but it'd be low capacity probably. Uh, but then um, you can uh, have things like what are called your multi uh, multi layer cells, which are you can have two or more, and the subset of that that is uh, often found is the uh, uh, triple layer cells, where you can have three uh, bits to a cell. Uh, which allows you to put much more data on the disk. But then but the yes. reads are slower. Yes. Right. Now, oh, one thing uh, we didn't talk about with the mechanical disks, that because there's two big things, and I, one of them I'm sure exists in the SSD world, but uh, with mechanical disks, there's two big things that have come about as the capacity has increased dramatically, but the physical size has not. One of them is 3D encoding. So 3D encoding... Uh, is actually more so something with SSDs than hard disks. Well, you can do it with hard really? disks. Yes. I thought Western Digital had like a like they were encoding the bits in 3D, so you could get like some kind of like a 12 terabyte drive. That's more. Like. That's actually with SSDs. What they do is instead of having just a single cell, you can stack the cells on top of each other. Which no, is they're, three, they're 3D doing man. this with mechanical disks though. 
Well, you can do it with mechanical disks, but it's much more popular with SSDs because this way you can get the same exact capacity as a hard disk with greater reads and writes. Gotcha. Now, the other thing that we didn't talk about is error correction, and that hard well, drive so, reads are usually more erroneous than not. Aren't well, so they? This, this, I think you're diving in way too deep to begin with. I think. Okay, the, I can, the, we can take a step back. That's yeah, fine. I think what you should look at next is uh, how you actually access the, the disk. Uh, how do which, you access the disk? So it depends if you have SATA, IDE, or, or if it's on the PCI Express bus. Right. Which what is can that? Still be That's SATA. not even SATA. Well, it can it? be SATA. But there's also NVMe, which is the new one that I, I have, actually, I boot my computer off of. Which So the difference between, say, SATA and NVMe is NVMe allows a bunch of concurrent uh, access to the disk at once, while SATA has to have everything sequentially. Huh. And so AHCI is the controller uh, in the computer for SATA, and then NVMe is this new controller that lets you use the PCIe bus to just access data on the uh, disk. Gotcha. And so uh, in my MacBook Pro from 2013, that's got to have a SATA drive, a SATA SSD. But the new MacBook Pros have it on the PCI Express bus. That's got to be MVNE then? Yep. Well, it can still be... So they're all SSDs, just it can be SATA. Well, I said it was on the PCI Express bus, so is that MVNE or...? Not necessarily. It can also be SATA. You don't have to specify MVNE, it's just then you don't have AHCI controlling the disk. And what is AHCI? It is a low-level con- uh, controlling uh, pr- uh, protocol, basically. That stands says, for. Uh, I do not recall off the Advanced Host Controller Interface. All right, and that that basically handles all these sequential reads and writes uh, that can still be uh, trying to they can get to this point concurrently, and then they can be uh, they hit the disk sequentially and then come back. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I actually just got. Oh no, I'll save that for later. Uh, Let's go. So I guess now we can go into your error correcting uh, question, which that can happen in uh, many different ways. But well, it's, uh, it's that, that by the it's, controller. Well, or, it's that. Oh, sorry, I'm cutting you off. Go on. So the, the controller does error correcting uh, uh, rather frequently. There's also the file system, and actually a big one is RAID, where you have uh, several different modes of RAID. Where like RAID zero, you just describe the data, which means you have data. Uh, it treats it as one disk, where you have data across all the different hard drives. Or you can have RAID 1, which is mirroring, so that way if one disk fails, you have another disk there with the same exact amount of data, the same exact data. And then you can do RAID 10, which is both, or you can do RAID 5 or 6, which is uh, striping with parity, which parity then is built in error correcting, where you see you see that the error is co- coming from disks more often than not when you're in RAID. So if you have 5 or 6, so 5 is just single parity, so it's got pretty good uh, error, error uh, correcting, but up with 6, it's uh, both to and from the disk, it'll uh, try to do error correction. Hmm. Uh... Well, what I was, what I was really getting at is the fact that uh, error correcting really... Uh, what is it? That the amount of errors that, the, that are produced when a drive reads go up significantly when the... Why does it just stop like that? Uh, goes up significantly when the uh, when the capacity exceeds like a, a, a couple terabytes, and that most of the data being read is actually erroneous, and, and, and the only way that they're continuing to increase capacity is by improving the efficacy of their error correcting algorithm. So that works rather. Uh, so that happens a lot on a traditional hard disk one because uh, of its being magnetized. And at a certain point, you're going to have magnet magnetic poles uh, interfering, causing issues. Yes. Yeah. Oh. 
Okay. Um, let's see. So we talked about hard disks. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about SSDs. Uh, are there other types of hard drives? Spinning disks, rather, other than SSDs. Are there any other types of hard drives? Uh, well, these are the ones that are like, currently being used. There, there is Optane, which is interesting. That's an, an proprietary to Intel way of doing things where it's using what's called 3D Crosspoint. So it builds on top of 3D NAN in such a way that it's way more efficient. And you can get some really insane reads and writes. The only consumer-grade one out there right now is entirely used for a cache to disks. You can't use it for a natural hard drive. And you, it, you can also use it for, like, if you need, like, a petabyte of memory, This is, it's possible using Optane. Yeah. <clears throat> gotcha. Now, uh, 3D NAND, that's a hot new term. Is that something that... Uh... That's the multi-layer SSD stuff. Yep. Okay. So that's actually out, right? Yep. Wow. Okay. So I guess one, one interesting thing to, to always go over, though, is like uh, how does writing to a disk actually work? Where uh, basically at, when you get a brand new hard drive, it's all zeros. And then you, you, what you do is you create the partition table and then you create the partitions in there. And then you actually uh, write files to the disk, and then from there you're yeah you're starting to populate with ones and zeros, and then say you delete a file, then all of a sudden you still have those ones and zeros actually on the disk. It's just now your file system has lost the reference to that file. Right, and it marks that sector for deletion. It doesn't mark it for deletion. It's now no longer that that reference is oh it's just gone. It just yeah. disappeared. Okay. So at this point, you can then actually re- overwrite it. And how how does the file system or the operating system know? to overwrite the data at that spot, especially if you're trying to write data that's bigger than the hole that you created by deleting the smallest so, file. all these file systems use this thing called inodes, which are uh, basically this, uh, these nodes in the tree that point to other inodes. And if there is, if they have inode, if one inode uh, points to an empty inode and it's just going down the tree, it'll write, write to that inode. Gotcha. That inode will have somewhere on the disk that it can write. So we're talking. In the old days, you had to defrag. I was just going to say. So that's what. So this is an alternative to defragmenting. Yes. Which defragmentation was what? In the uh, good old days of Windows ninety five. Basically, uh, running a program to do the same thing as what this does, or uh, more, more commonly, you can look at this as how, like, a, in an LSM tree, you do a delete. You have to do compaction all of a sudden to reclaim the, uh, that memory that was allocated. In that tree. Right. You have a bit here that's free. You have a bit there that's free. And then defragmenting just combines all of those together. Like when I have five Metro cards that all have under a dollar in balance, I can combine them into one Metro card that I could actually use on the subway. You can do that? Somebody. Uh-oh. Hmm. I think logic just died on my... On me. It's doing that Boo. delay thing. Boo, Wendy Testberg. Boo. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I have to restart logic, which... Uh, just don't move. I'm going to do the old... Uh... Where is it? I need to just spend more time. So in the meantime, Tyler, you have any questions? Uh, I'm getting interested in the lifespan and uh, and like how many reads each different type of drive has. Okay, well you know so, what? Hold on, and just hold on just a second. I'm really sorry because I gotta. Oh wait. Oh, you know what? I think never mind. I think it fixed itself. Okay. Right. Then right. no no golden girls. Sorry, Blanche. <laughs> No sidebar, God. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So. Well, so as I was saying, 
uh, as far as like the longevity of the disc goes, it all depends on the particular disc. So, so some are rated for like eight uh, eight billion uh, rights uh, to the disc or something. Like on the hard discs, that so the di- one thing is as far as like if you're just writing to the disc once until it's full. Like you say, you're using this for cold storage. Mm-hmm. You can just write to the disc once until it's full, uh, disconnect it, and leave it to be stored. Then uh, you're probably going to want to use a magnetic disc because that'll actually retain the, the polarity uh, much longer than an SSD would. But if you're if you're writing a bunch of times back and forth and overwriting data a lot, you're probably going to see about the same longevity on them. Interesting. If not, like if you're using an older older drive, like I uh, when I was a kid, I do you remember having a drive where the motor just crapped out eventually? Like huh. the motor on the reader, the reader arm. Yep. Well, and I mean, on the you... on the mechanical hard drives, there was that problem with the clicking. Yep. And one one old thing from high school that I liked doing was whenever I had a computer, uh, I had a brand new Western Digital hard drive that I actually killed with putting unreleased builds of Windows Vista on it, Windows Longhorn at the time. And I got a brand new drive, and I put on a, a fresh new uh, pirated build of Windows Longhorn, and the next day it just started clicking. I don't know if it was related to Microsoft's alpha code, but I, I say it was. But one thing you can do is you can just fucking... Excuse me! Wow! Eric, come on, you gave us I'm so sorry, much crap. I'm really... One thing you can do is... I've, I've been cursing a lot this weekend with the toxic masculinity I've been Clearly. dealing with. One thing you can do... Is you can just hit the computer, just hit it right on the side, and then it'll spring back to life. And I and I had a computer that it was really nice. You could just turn it on, it would start the click. You'd be like, "Hey, listen," and just hit it, and it would be fine. You just give it a give it a little Chris Brown. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I digress. And then once you're done with your drive, you can uh, the Mister Robot way is actually pretty good. Where you just throw it in the microwave, let it run. And eventually it'll just uh, combust. And then that combusts inside of your microwave. That's not a bad or good idea. Well, if you're on the go and you need to destroy your hard drive for some reason. <laughs> yeah, so here's here's another question is, like, how how much do you have to destroy a hard drive for it to be completely, like, destroyed? If I have well, a disk, like, if I crumple it up a little bit, is, is so it just done? A lot, of comp- a lot of companies that uh, uh, have their own data centers and they go to decommission a machine... They'll have like a drill press where you actually just drill straight through the hard drive once, which means you can't just pop the hard drive back in. But if you really, really wanted the data in there, you'd uh, probably be able to recover at least some of it if you have some kind of uh, way to just actually read the polarity and relate it to something somehow. That's very difficult. (laughs) I don't know how disk recovery actually works like that. But the other option you can do is smash it to pieces so it's like very tiny shards of each platter. Awesome. Now, does does deleting things from an SSD affect the write count? It's just dropping a reference. Dropping a reference, things. okay. So it doesn't actually care until you rewrite over it. Right. So when you do something like writing writing zeros to a disk, that would actually rewrite over all the sectors on an SSD, and then it would really reduce your write count, wouldn't it? Right. That's basically here's a new disk. Right. And you might want to do that based on how you, you want to form. When you go to format your hard drive, you might want to do that based on how much data you want to be able to remove. Because when you do format a hard drive, you're really just rewriting the file system. You're not actually clearing any data out from the disk itself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it turns out that I do have to restart logic. Let me put on the, uh, the good old girls. Be Thank right you back. For being a friend. 
Okay. So, uh, we, talk, uh, we were talking about hard drives getting reformatted. That doesn't actually clear out the disk, even though it gives you the impression that it has. When it says you've got all this free space, that's not actually f- free. If you had data on it before, you just remo- uh, removed all the references to it. Well, so if you're just deleting the, d- the files, then yeah, you still have the, re- the data on disk technically. just remove the references to it. But if you reformat a disk, you can do the option where you say, right, uh, replace everything with zeros. Otherwise, you just right, re- right, reformat right. the parts that you have references to. And, and you can actually, there's another option that does a seven-time zero writing. Yeah, and, which is great uh, for magnetic disks, but... I was going to say that's great, but not for your SSD. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, moving on. So, oh, by the way, so when you delete something and you say it removes the reference, then uh, you can actually undelete it. And there are some programs that allow you, that, that go forensically, quote-unquote forensically, through your disks to try to find portions of files or things that you might have deleted because you're only removing, trying to recover the reference since it knows that there's data there. And when you, if you accidentally delete something, I believe the... Uh, best advice is to immediately stop doing whatever it is and try to recover the data immediately because every additional write drastically increases the chance for that data to get overridden and then once it's overwritten, it's gone. Interesting. Anyway, right? Once the data is overwritten, I mean, can you go back, peel back the layers of file system history? So there are services that say they can. I don't know how good they are. How can they do that if it's a bit that just gets remagnetized? Are at some point, it becomes physics that it, at some point, it's physics that are over my head. <laughs> yeah. But, oh wow! Wow, like yeah. testing something to try to find the history of it, getting really deep down into each each one. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, so we talked about. Uh, that times hard drive can get written to. Um, what gets stored on the hard drive? You know, if I my first computer didn't have a hard drive. It had, uh, and I should have just started off the whole discussion with that, but because my brain's not working properly tonight, I don't know why. Uh, I didn't. My first computer didn't have a hard drive. It was a Mac five twelve K. We had a SCSI floppy drive that we plugged into the back, and uh, a floppy drive internally. <laughs> Uh, those old Macs did have SCSI hard drives that you could plug in. Uh, SCSI, S-C-S-I, sta- stands for what? Um, I don't know. Small Computer System Interface. Hmm. And you'll see a diamond, almost a diamond, with a little line sticking out of it, icon, on old Macintoshes or other computers from the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, and, th- and this was basically, uh, I mean, this was beyond the parallel port. In the early 90s? Yeah, like 93. Uh, SCSI 2 was published in 1990. Uh, So I'm going to stick with my late 80s, early 90s. Uh, But the thing is, is that... um, What what was the thing about SCSI? What made it so special? Uh, Honestly, I don't know about that one. That one I never really looked into. (laughs) I, I think it was just that it was a very generalized way of attaching uh, a, a random oh, it was, or it was black box <laughs> external storage, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and it, and allowed low level access between the host computer and the storage uh, controller. Well, I know. So IDE was popular because it was the first one to really allow parallel reads and writes. 
the issue there well, uh, was, and that was the was, and that was the PATA. Yeah, the issue there was you're at, most of the computers were single core, and they spent most computers were single core until very recently. Yeah, and they were spending a lot of time actually trying to order the bits. Gotcha. Um. <clears throat> Uh, the small part in SCSI is historical since these drives were really large and since everything since then has gotten much smaller. But because before the late 80s, computers and everything were much bigger, it is relatively small. Um, and yeah, I think the Lisa had a giant SCSI drive that you could attach and that weighed as much as the computer. Hmm. Um, and the other thing about SCSI is that it can be chained, much like USB-C or Thunderbolt can be chained. Um, and if you, I think honestly, you, SCSI might have been like one of the, like the first kind of inter device. I mean, no, I guess I mean no, I, I serial. Guess, no, I was going to say serial and, and then parallel. The 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 female SCSI adapter was huge. It was this big thing you had clips on the side, yep. hooking into place. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's something that people don't use anymore anymore because everything is much faster and smaller in the 21st century. Um. I got a new hard drive, actually. Interesting. Yes. Uh, for my... Oh, wrong theme music. For my MacBook Pro. And let me tell you something. No. <laughs> Another Apple attack. Well, actually, uh, so I did get a new SSD for my computer. And uh, I got it from uh, Otherworld Computing, MacSales.com. Uh, and they gave me a, uh, an enclosure to put the current hard drive of my computer in it and then replace it with the new one that I just got. Sweet. Mm. So, I don't know, we're talking about hard drives. <laughs> what would be uh well, well actually, about this hard drive, there is a big discrepancy between in numbers, in in sizes and how the disk capacity is reported. There are, of course, megabytes, kilobytes, gigabytes, terabytes, petabytes, mm -hmm. but there's also mebibytes, gibibytes, and tebibytes. I've never and heard that. <laughs> a gibibyte, and you can look it up in, the, in Wikipedia, in the Wikipedia, look it up in the Book of Knowledge, it is, uh, that is actually what a gigabyte is is in terms of base 2 and they've redefined what mm. a gigabyte is to mean a base 10 number because binary is a base 2 n numbering system uh, when you express sizes you're counting numbers of bits meaning that your size will be a, po a power of 2 well that, and, that's like how there's actually a gigity byte right which is a but, unit of storage for pornography equal to <laughs> 1024 megabytes I really like watching her box Yes. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, no, it's is, a real that, unit of measurement for this. Oh, giggity, okay. Well, a gibibyte is 1,024 megabytes, or mebibytes, and a gigabyte is 1,000 megabytes. And what this allows you to do is sell a one terabyte drive that is 1,000 gigabytes, that is 1,000, 1,000 megabytes, that is 1,000, 1,000 kilobytes. And you can see each time... We're losing a lot of bits. We're losing well, a lot of numbers. I don't know. And so, in I, fact, I between like... what I'm saying is this: that the one terabyte drive, after it gets formatted, after it's in your computer, you only can actually use 850 gigabytes. You lose over a hundred gigabytes. I'm going to use the regular word gigabytes. For you lose over a hundred gigabytes to this numbering 
Mishigas, and and you lose, so, um, and you do lose a few a few uh, bites to formatting, but over a hundred, it's eighty five percent of the draw of the space you were supposed to get. I you think you're getting? Think you got this wrong? <laughs> okay, it's a, a gib to a byte. It's a different unit of measurement of the same value. The binary prefix gibby means two to the thirtieth. Therefore, one gibby byte is equal to one. One billion seventy three million seven hundred forty one thousand eight hundred twenty four bytes, or one thousand twenty four mebibytes. Yes, a mebibyte is one thousand twenty four kibibytes. The one and thing though is nobody uses this in any code ever. Colloquially, people use gigabyte, megabyte, kilobyte, but because we're doing a podcast on hard drives and hard drive sizes, mm-hmm. this. Is this semantic distinction, while irritating, yes, is important to to uh, as a distinction because when data and other data sizes and file sizes, whether it's capacity or bandwidth quotas or anything, are given, they're given in a base ten number, but your usage is oh, actually in a I, base two okay, number. I see what you're saying. And so, because of that, if you buy a one terabyte drive, you think that you'd have a thousand gigabytes, and you do, but you only have eight hundred fifty gigabytes, which is actually the number That's that you that wrong, matters. Wrong, actually. On a, on a uh, one ter on a one terabyte, uh, it's drive. this drive, Christian. Okay, maybe th- this one did it wrong, but at least on any like professional grade hard drive, like I've got the Western Digital Gold in my server here for eight terabytes. That is actually. Uh, eight times one thousand twenty-four. Well, then that's why. I mean, I I like Western Digital. Mm-hmm. I, I I I that's fine. But check this out. Um, this is from. I actually wrote to the Otherworld Computing uh, support team because I was just floored. I would I would expect you know uh, uh, some space to be taken away after the partition day after it's formatted. That's fine. But what I said was. Uh, I'm quite interested in your one terabyte SSD upgrade kit, but I'm confused because it says the usable capacity is 960 gigabytes, uh, but the formatted capacity is 894 gigabytes. And then I said, sorry, I'm trying to hold in a burp. And I said nine six, and I tried to do the the funky math for them. And I said nine sixty times a thousand divided by ten twenty four is nine thirty seven. 894 times 1024 divided by 1,000 is 915, meaning that there's no way that you can actually get the number that they say that you're allowed to use. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They said that they could. You, they said that you'll you'll be able to use 960. Sorry, 894 gigabytes of this one terabyte drive. I mean, but and they said it's because really we say a terabyte about, is a thousand. If you're really gigabytes. concerned about bytes to this much detail, you've got a much bigger problem than the size of it's your disk. It's over your hundred issue is, gigabytes on a drive, Christian. And yeah. I come from a world where my first computer had no hard drive. Cool. I care about a hundred gigabytes. You. Anyway, software these days should not really care about that much storage. It should, uh, or you shouldn't be splitting hairs of that. You should be able 100 to gigabytes is the actually the whole reason why I need a new drive. So it is a big distinction. So if you do a df-h, does it actually tell you how, uh, the measurement? Because that is... I didn't install the drive yet. Oh, then why are you even talking about this? Because it's what the, the it said. Sure. Okay, fine. Then we can complain about this next week when I actually do install the drive. Okay. I, the only reason why I didn't was because, and this is my luck, while it was shipping to me, I got an email saying that a new model has come out. 
of the drive that I just bought. Yeah, th- th- this isn't the Eric Rants about Apple show, though. It could be. Anyway, moving on to what's well, hard drives, Christian? Just Apple makes hard drives. Uh huh. Well, yeah. nothing down the subcontract to that to other places, but okay. They used to make hard drives, and they used to have. And then they used to have Seagate make their hard drives, and now does Seagate exist anymore? Yeah, Seagate's still pretty popular. Who is it that doesn't exist anymore? Was it was a big one? It was not Western Digital, not Seagate. It was like a third big hard drive company. Anyway, whatever. Um, what else do you want to talk about with hard drives? Tyler, you've been a little quiet. Um, I guess one question. Is your drive hard? One question I'd have for Christian um, is, okay, so here's an example. Say, say I'm working in a program. Say I'm working like in a music uh, recording program, like Pro Tools mm-hmm. or something. Um, so when am I writing to the hard drive? Am I writing every time I hit the save button or am I writing like, because I'm, you know, moving tracks, I'm so, cutting and deleting tracks all the time, but... Yeah, this is such an interesting one because I, I actually recently looked into this on my on the DAWs I've used, and the difference between each DAW, but like the really good ones, they'll write everything to a tempfs first, which tempfs is all memory actually. So am I in RAM? Yep, and then it'll actually commit the disk. But it's it's an actual file system uh, that you can look at. You can look at it like any other file, and then it's only when you actually hit save, it'll move it to a permanent area on your disk. That makes but, sense. Uh, some some DAWs will just actually write everything to a working space, and those files will just exist and take up a lot of space. Wow. So, like, I use Audacity to record the show now, which, granted, it's not great for production, but it's great for just recording audio and putting things like a noise gate on. But if you're looking for, like, I use Traction for more uh, involved stuff, that'll just write everything to disk into a workspace. So I have to be careful of deleting those uh, the tracks I don't use. So but basically, cut everything you're cu- doing there, you're writing to the disk, so you're going to be cutting into the lifespan of your hard drive. Yep. So, but wait. And it's going to be slower. Well, yeah. well, you know, there is this big toss-up between, I, I constantly see, oh, now RAM is too slow. RAM is slower than hard disks. No, actually, hard disks are really slow. They're much slower than RAM. It I feel like it, it toggles back and forth a lot. I don't know well, why. Well, so now the storage is basically the same speed as RAM is the argument, except for really fast RAM. That's is that is that because of end. SSDs now? Yes. yes. Uh, some of the NVMe and uh, Intel's new Optane. It's like a slow-ish memory or really fast storage. Gotcha. Nice. Gotcha. Um, on Photoshop definitely does write to the disk because it complain it needs like two gigs of swap space on your disk and it'll, it'll complain. Well, Photoshop it. basically takes up all of your memory to begin with, so of course it needs swap. But that's memory that's you just happen to allocate on the disk. That's not like it's writing to disk. It li- it literally is writing. But to, it is writing to. It's disk. literally it's writing to disk for- in the physical world. It's writing to disk, but and in regards to your operating system, it's not writing to disk. Right, but and Tyler just asked the opposite question. Which is, it looks like you're not writing anything to to the disk, but it is, or it's not, or it, the better it, it depends the on better the DAW. DAWs don't, right, right. Okay. Um, what about magnets? Oh, how how <laughs> how how how, how should you avoid magnets when you have a hard drive? Uh, do not put a magnet directly onto a hard drive. The cases around a hard drive have gotten a lot better about this, but do not do that in general. Um. You can have a magnet, like, close-ish to your computer these days. Like, it's not like a, a, if you've ever watched Halt and Catch Fire, there's an early episode in the series where uh, one of the main characters is coding away 
but they've also got a boombox right next to the computer blasting. They're like, oh, I can't believe you did that. Of course your data's gone. And it's like, well, wow. back then it was like, yeah, the magnet and the, the way that the, the sturdiness of the disc, uh, that could happen. These days, though, the discs are much more reliable to the point where it's like you have to put the magnet actually up against the disc to have that happen. I mean, it's at the point where now magnets are in computers. They've always been, but just uh, particularly isolated. Well, okay. What do you mean always? Well, the discs themselves were magnets. No, I meant like in terms of like the there's a magnetic uh, uh, case lock. Yeah. There's yeah. like there's a magnetic smart cover yeah. for my iPad. Like those are magnets in the case yep. that uh, until recently that would have been verboten. It also used to be you could never touch the motherboard with your bare hands unless you were grounded. Unless you were grounded, yeah. right. What do they do to fix that? Well, these days it's better insulated. Oh. Same thing with the magnets. Okay. It's just, you know, you got better technology, so... Cool. Yep. All right, anything else? Uh, just to reiterate on the Giggity Byte, it's a unit of storage for pornography. Wonderful. <laughs> Let's see where your, head, where your head's at. Oh, I or thought pornography was stored in boxes. <laughs> I really like watching ah, the box. I can't do that. That means two things. <laughs> I got to fix that. I've had an off night tonight. Um, okay. Well, I'd like to read one last story about a neural network designing Halloween costumes. Read us a story, Grandpa. It's hard to come up with ideas for Halloween costumes, especially when it seems all the good ones are taken. And don't you have it. Uh, I love these pictures, by the way. You got, like, Batman Butterfly, Panda Clam... And Clamda, and either a, a shark as somebody from Star Trek or a racist with a weird face. Shark track. It's Aquaman with a shark head. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Uh, I train neural networks. Well, not me, but the person who wrote this. A type of machine learning algorithm to write humor by giving them data sets that, uh, that they have to teach themselves to mimic. They can sometimes do a surprisingly good job coming up with a metal band called Chow Shrug. A craft beer called Yam Quack, or another called The Fine Stranger, which now exists. Uh, so this guy wanted to f- find out if they could build a neural network to help invent Halloween costumes. Now, the, uh, the most popular co- uh, submitted costumes... Sorry, he made a campaign for submissions. He got over 4,500 mm. submissions. Sexy tortoise. Most popular... <laughs> Most popular costumes were the classics, 42 witches, 32 ghosts, 30 pirates, 22 batmans, one cat, including 30 sexy cats, 19 vibrate, excuse me, 19 vampires, I mean, I, 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 a lot of stuff happened this weekend, uh, sexy uh, 17, Dvorak keyboard, <laughs> uh, 19 vampires and 17 each of pumpkins and sexy nurses. There are about 300 costumes with sexy in their names. Some of the most eyebrow-raising include sexy angler fix, fish, sexy Dumbledore, sexy, sexy golden emoji. pheasant, sexy eyeball, sexy Mothra, sexy poop emoji? I kind of want to see that. <laughs> sexy Darth Vader, sexy Ben Franklin, sexy TARDIS, Cookie Monster, sexy Dvorak, Sexy Ben Franklin, keyboard. definitely my favorite. <laughs> uh, sexy Dvorak keyboard, that's what you were saying. Oh, and a toaster um, oven. In the technical oh, challenge frog. department, we have, we have costumes like the Invisible Pink Unicorn, Whale Frog, Glow Cloud, Lake Michigan, Toaster Oven, and Garnet. 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 
Uh, Actually, that's probably not right. I don't think that's the way he spells his name. Who is no, it? I think that's a cartoon character. Kevin Garnett's a sports player. I think it's a cartoon I think that's character. Two T's. He's a basketballist. I, I yeah. think they're referring to the cartoon character, though. Oh, yeah, I probably. <laughs> I like sexy Gandalf, though. That is a good option. Ooh, beards are hot. <laughs> so the guy starts training the AI and takes a look to see what it was, how it was doing, and uh, it's coming up with names: sexy, sexy, Dombey, sexy cat, sexy a stare Rowan, sexy a R O R. What's R O R? It's like wow, but R O R. Yeah. Ruby on rails. Ah, uh, it could be <laughs> sexy Ruby on rails. A the rog. I don't know. Sexy cot. Sexy Perby Lampire, Poth Rat, Sexy for Man, and goes on. Uh, and I guess it's just slowly it trying sexy to... Cat. But why is it inventing words? I don't get that. Well, um, because it's trying to... It's, it's like a child. It's learning words. Yeah, but it only knows words that it's It's seen. regurgitating words wrong. Yeah, like a child. Yeah. Huh. That's kind of scary. Um... Checked in a little later. Other things had improved somewhat. Uh, omitted numerous repetitions of, sec- of sexy nurse. Excuse me. <laughs> the only thing that makes sense is the, is the word sexy. Sexy the carding <laughs> jing. Far bat of the cower. Sexy the hurler. A, a costume. That's a good costume. That's a good costume. Sex, sexy menace. Menace. Sexy sure. Sexy menus. Me- menu, menace. Menace. Jesus Damn, Eric. <laughs> I need some stuff. This is right up there with the time in, ten years ago when I was on my college radio station. I said the word Cantopolis instead of cantaloupes. <laughs> <laughs> you did not eat your Wheaties. No. Um, but by the time that the guy checked on the third... Ne- uh, the ne- uh, by the time the guy checked on the neural network for the third time, it was not only better, but astoundingly good. They hadn't expected this. But the neural network had found its niche... Costume mashups. These are actually comprehensible. Like I love the first one. <laughs> punk tree. Hmm. What's a punk tree? It's a tree that is a punk. Attitude. Okay. Likes the Ramones. Uh, disco monster. Spartan Gandalf. That's pretty dope. Starfleet <laughs> shark. A masked box. <laughs> Martian devil. Panda clam. But, oh, and that, now the pictures at the top make sense. Yep. Potato Man, Shark Cow, Space Batman, <laughs> The Shark Knight. That's it. Oh, wow. I love that. <laughs> that's actually good. Yeah, that's really good. Snape Scarecrow, Gandalf the Good Witch, <laughs> Professor Panda, Strawberry Shark. There's a lot of sharks. Uh, Vampire Big Bird. That's pretty awesome. Samurai <laughs> Angel. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lady Garbage. <laughs> That would be really good for a New York-based uh, costume. Uh, pirate, firefighter, oh and God. fairy Batman. There's a gay joke in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, has a, uh, Other costumes were still more random. Uh, Al Donald, the, chick, the goddess of chicken. God. Statue of pizza. That's a good one. Celery blue uh, Frankenstein. Okay. Bird scientist. Actually, it could be real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it sounds like something that John Oliver would have on his show. Uh, Giant two butter. 
<laughs> it was still fond of using made wait, up words, wait, though. Wait, the twin spider maid. That's a pretty good one. Spider maid. Mermaid, sorry. Uh, okay. The Rocky Monster. It was still fond of using made up words, though. You'd, you'd be the only one at the party dressed as whatever these were. <laughs> Spara. Sportsand. Uh, the Gumpkin. The Little Pond. The Spongebob. Spice of Pokemon. Pokemon. Count Varer, Railroad Men Mencoon. A Spock. <laughs> Huntel Starber. Wait, play, my God. Pirate. Pumpkin Picard. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A sexy avical stir of a Bolana ally. Ally. <laughs> right. Magic of the Magic <laughs> Anne of the Foe and Tood computer. Wait. A winged boxer Ginsburg. Dude, zombie Jeez. fish just Sith Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> it's trying. It's really going for stuff. I like the really generic ones too. Well they said well they Sports said costume. apparently someone tried it to help uh, tried to help decided to help by entering an on an entire costume store's inventory. <laughs> nice. Uh, and a bunch of Ruth Bader Ginsburg puns. Hence those. <laughs> Uh, and invented some awesome this, new superhero supervillains. Is this a like Williamsburg costume shop? <laughs> Wait, I like Super Pod. Fred of Lizard. I like that one. Sky, uh, Buster Pirate. Skull Skywalk Lady. <laughs> there we go. S uh, Super of a Bog. Pretty Zombie Spacesuit. Glad Woman. Light Man. <laughs> wait, wait. Sexy the Super Bass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. The sexy costumes. Hundreds! Of sexy costumes, that yet it never got quite uh, quite got the hang of it. <laughs> sexy, the sexy, sexy lamp. Uh, <laughs> I love lamp. Someone will love lamp. <laughs> <laughs> sexy, sexy duck Sexy the bumble. You're close. Sexy bumble. <laughs> sexy <And> drangers. <laughs> Wait, sexy yeah. Spock. I w I would love to see a girl dressed up as sexy Spock. Spock is sexy enough. All True. Right, I Sexy the Spock. I, mean, I, I, I know you're Spock. more of a fan of Zulu, Eric, but true. Yes, that's a, uh, sexy the pumpkin. Saxy pumpkins. It has saxy and sexy. Saxy would be cool. Saxy pumpkins. <laughs> anyway, these are just some, just a couple Halloween costume ideas, people. Go get creative. Make messy. Make mistakes. But don't be culturally appropriative if you're white. I really, we're not, Halloween is not going to be able to last uh, 10 more years. But that's a story for another time, because we're out of it tonight, as I'm about to pass out on the show. So, Christian, do you approve of this week's pull request? Looks good to me. Wonderful. How about you, Tyler? Uh, careful on your Apple attacks, but yeah. <laughs> no. All right, careful on the Apple attacks. The first, the first pull you, request our... comment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. First, okay. First one. We've done 37. All right. Yeah, we should wait for this to be of, off air. Of course, in our studio audience. Hey. Wonderful. Well, That's then, let's about. all hit merge. And we'll see you next week right here on Public Wax. This has been the Pneumonium Production. The views and opinions expressed on PokerQuest do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium, LLC, or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Wolfpack. Visit them at VULFPECK.com.